So good to be with you tonight in the crescent. That's now, that's the second reminder I've had tonight that it's the start of term. I came in through the door this evening and I met David Farrell and it wasn't, it was probably about two minutes before he reminded me it was back to school. It reminded me last week of um, walking through a shopping centre and in dandering through the shopping centre, it was very evident it was getting near that time back to school. There was a parent looking, I would say probably the easiest way of putting it would be at the end of her tether. Two children squealing and yelling, asking for different things. It was very, very clear there was a lady who could not wait until the 1st of September. It's a wonderful time of the year. Honestly, it is. It's absolutely brilliant. New opportunities a year ahead of us. Wow, where has the summer gone? I don't know what you've done with your summer, but a few weeks ago, I was in Cannes in France, and it actually got me thinking. I was was starting to prepare for speaking here this evening when we were away, And it got me thinking about the story that we're going to look at tonight together. Because if you know Cannes, we were walking down the front of Cannes, walking down past the nice flashy cars and uh, huge big uh, hotels. And we came across quite a, a, I suppose, a a, a building that people know Cannes for. It's a building where the Cannes Film Festival is, is held. It's a building where there's a red carpet at even any time of the year. And lots of people standing up there getting their picture taken. And it got me thinking about what that building really was all about for many people. Many people gather there each year, and their aim of coming together in Cannes is to rub shoulders with those that are influential, to rub shoulders with those who have money, who those who are a, a people of significance, I suppose, is the best way uh, of putting it. And I thought that links actually with what we're going to look at tonight, because we're going to look at a lady who has come with the aim of rubbing shoulders. Well, not quite rubbing shoulders, touching the garment of someone who was very significant, the Lord Jesus, of course. So let's look at this passage together. We're going to look together in Luke chapter 8, and we're going to read together this passage. It's going to tell us the story of this lady and about how that she comes to meet the Lord Jesus, and we're going to see how her life is totally transformed by the meeting that she had that day. So look at verse 40. It says, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living uh, on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surround you and are pressing in on you. And Jesus said, someone touch me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had immediately been, how she'd been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. It's a tremendous passage that we've read together tonight. It's a passage that brings before us tonight those of us that are living in a dying world. A world that is surrounded by death and sorrow. A world that is caught up with so much tragedy and pain. A world that is affected and impacted by so much sickness. This story from Scripture that we read tonight is a wonderful reminder to us, with that as a background, that there is hope. 
there is hope. You see, in this passage, we are reminded that actually the wrong things will be made right and can be made right. We have a reminder in this passage that those wrong things can be made right because of Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one. It's He is the one who can make things right again. The very first verse we read here in verse number 40 starts off by saying, now when Jesus returned. I want to ask the question before we start into this, uh, this looking at the woman in detail, I want us to ask the question, well, where has Jesus returned from? We're going to do a bit of rewinding, and we're going to take ourselves back to see where Jesus has come from. Jesus has just come off a boat off the Sea of Galilee, and he has crossed over that sea, and there has been a great storm. And those that were with him there, they experienced the power that the Lord Jesus had, and how he could speak, and the very creation that he had created obeyed him. It was very evident to them that Jesus had power over nature. Jesus left then that area of the sea, and he came over to a place called Gadara. And when he arrived in Gadara, it was an interesting place, a place there where there were people who were going to see who actually didn't have very much time for Jesus. And when Jesus was in that area of Gadara, he met a man, a man who was possessed by demons. And Jesus spoke, and as he spoke, the very demons left that man, went into a a, a group of pigs, and the group of pigs went down and into the water. And so we see not only that Jesus is the power over nature, but we have learned previously here in this passage that Jesus is the power over the supernatural. I think one of the most terrible things that we read around in this Luke chapter 8 is that actually Jesus is asked to leave that area of Gadara. Jesus had come in the, into the midst of these people. He had spoken with power and authority. There was great evidence for them that he was the Son of God, and yet they ask him to leave. Jesus wasn't welcome there. He wasn't welcome in Gadara. And so he goes back over to this place called Capernaum, back crossing again over that Sea of Galilee. And that's where we pick up this story tonight, because as he arrives in Capernaum, it's a totally different story. He's just been told to leave. He now arrives, and Jesus now is asked to come by this man called Jarius. And Jarius is asking him to come because he's a little daughter back home. This little daughter back home isn't too well. In fact, we read that she's practically dying, is really the information that he has. And as Jesus comes to Capernaum, Jarius wants him to come to his house because the little one isn't well. He welcomes, is welcomed in this place. And he realizes, Jarius realizes that Jesus has a power, a power that can give life. It's a wonderful truth to learn that Jesus is power over nature. Jesus is power with the supernatural. Jesus is power to give life. And so we see this lady coming now to the fore. She's in the midst of a crowd. Now, I want to ask the question, who would have been there? Well, any time we read about the Lord Jesus being in a crowd, there were lots of different people who would have were gathering in those crowds. Lots of different people were there for different reasons. I'm sure there would have been those who were gathering because they were objectors. They didn't like the fact that Jesus was there. They didn't like the fact of what the things he was saying. There were those who were there to criticize him. He was turning their whole religion and their way of life upside down. There would have been those who were cynics, those who didn't really have very much time for what it was that Jesus was doing. And I'm sure there were some people that were there just because they were there. They were a bit indifferent. They just happened to be there as Jesus came along. 
And then there were those, like this lady that we're going to look at, and she was there because she was a seeker. She was there because she was looking for the Lord Jesus. She wanted to meet him. She wanted to come into contact with him. Why had these people come to, hear, uh, to, to, to see and to hear the Lord Jesus? Well, you see, they'd heard about him. Because earlier in Luke, in Luke chapter 4, we read of a time when Simon Peter's mother-in-law was healed of a fever. Jesus had done this miracle. These people would have been aware of that. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus healed a man who was paralyzed. Four friends brought him to Jesus. They lowered him down in front of the Lord Jesus, and the Lord Jesus healed him and made him be able to walk again. You see, there were people there because they were sick. They couldn't do anything for themselves. Their health was failing, and they knew that the Lord Jesus could heal. There were those that were despairing. They tried many different ways of having the problems of life removed. And yet, none of them had worked. Nothing had worked. And so there were those who were despairing. There were those who were discouraged. And there were those who needed hope. And really, each of those things, sick, despairing, discouraged, in need of hope, those all really would summarize the, the lady that we're going to look at here in this passage. And we see that she's among this crowd of people. And it says at the end of verse 42 that the people were pressing around the Lord Jesus. It was an interesting picture that was used in the media when Kim Jong-un arrived in Vietnam. And he was there as part of a, a visit. And it's always strange, isn't it, when you watch and, and see the movements of Kim Jong-un. But as he was there, he was moving through the, the streets of Vietnam. And this was a, a picture of his, his cavalcade. And the cavalcade was moving through the streets. And of course, his armed bodyguards were running along by the side. The image is very clear, isn't it? Do not approach. Very clear. He does not want to be approached. He's within an armored car, and outside he's got his bodyguard. He doesn't want to be approached by the normal people. It's the total opposite to this passage that we're looking at tonight. Because in this passage, we see the crowd of people, and they're pressing in around the Lord Jesus. Jesus was accessible to them. He wasn't holding back from them. He was right there and he was in their midst. And we read in verse 43 that there was this woman. We don't really know very much more about her apart from details about her condition and the difficulties that she has experienced. Because verse 43 lists those difficulties. It lists those problems that she has. And it goes into them in a little bit of detail. It tells us that she has been suffering in this way, has had this issue of bleeding internally for about 12 years. Can you picture what that would have been like? To have had an issue that in effect would have been draining you of your energy, draining you of all the goodness that you need for your body to survive, and not to be going on for a period of 12 years. We read in that passage as well that she'd been to lots of medics. Now, I've got to be careful here tonight what I say, don't I? Because I look around, there are quite a few of you in the profession. You're great, and the guys back here were great as well, but the reality of the situation was here that she'd been to lots of individuals who were medically trained, and they could do nothing for her. And she'd spent all that she had. And here she is, totally helpless, totally hopeless. Those that she'd gone to could do nothing for her, 
Luke, of course, as he writes, he's a doctor, isn't he? So he's not going to really let the profession down. But when you look over to Mark chapter 5, brace yourselves, it actually says she was actually worse despite the treatments that she was having. And we see her now with all of that as the background. She's coming in the midst of this crowd, and she's coming and she's finding that Jesus is accessible to her. But not only is Jesus accessible to her, I want you to see as well that Jesus is available to her. He's there and he's willing to be approached. And he is willing to do something for this lady. You know, it's interesting, the barriers at times that can keep people back from coming to the Lord Jesus. Think about this lady. She's in the middle of this pushing crowd. You imagine the crowd of people gathered together, pushing, shoving, jostling, trying to get close to the Lord Jesus. They're wanting to hear him. They're wanting to see him. And she's there in that crowd. But remember her problem. I suppose you would say she has a degenerative chronic illness. It's having a massive impact upon her. She's been bleeding for 12 years, so I'm sure she's weak. And I'm sure as well, from a Jewish custom, she would have been known as being unclean as well. Lots of things that could have been a barrier to her coming to the Lord Jesus. Being unclean in that sort of society would have meant that literally she was like an outcast. People would have wanted nothing to do with her. They wouldn't have wanted to have to even step, set foot to anywhere near her. Wouldn't have wanted to touch her because of this issue of bleeding that she had. Of course, she'd spent all that she had. She was poor. Do you see the barriers? The things that could have kept her back from coming to the Lord Jesus. But isn't it lovely to see that she wasn't going to let these things keep her back? The crowd wasn't going to keep her back from Jesus. The illness wasn't going to keep her back from Jesus. What other people thought wasn't going to keep her back from Jesus. The fact that she had nothing wasn't going to keep her back. The fact of what other people thought of her, she didn't care. She just knew her need of Jesus. She wanted to be with him. And so we see in verse 44 of what she does, her next little steps forward in coming to Jesus. Obviously, there's that shame, there's the embarrassment, and so she comes quietly. In Matthew chapter 9, as you read the same, uh, same account, of, uh, an account of this story, <clears throat> we read that it's said of her, she knows that if she could only touch his garment, she'll be made well. And so that's exactly what she's seeking to do here. And so she moves to come close to the Lord Jesus, she moves in from behind. And as she comes up closely behind the Lord Jesus, she manages just to push out her hand and she manages to touch him. Now, I love what happens next. Because it's very, very clear from the passage what happens next. Because she is clear about what happens next. She knows that she just touched him and she knows that there was immediate healing. The bleeding, gone. All renewed. Things back to the way they were meant to be. You see, Jesus didn't just deal with her symptoms. You know how that is. You go to the GP and you tell them about how terrible you're feeling. They'll tend to give you something to make you feel less terrible. Okay? They'll not always deal with the heart of the issue. This woman, it's not just the symptoms that she's dealing with. 
But actually, Jesus is coming and he deals with the very source of her problem. The bleeding stopped immediately. And Jesus then asks a question, and it might seem a strange question to you tonight, because it seemed a strange question to those that were there at the time when Jesus is asked this question. His question was simple. He said, who was it that touched me? Now, verse 45 is a, is a question that, Jesus, or that Peter asked Jesus. He says, Master, the crowd surround you and press in on you. He's basically saying to him, Hi, why on earth would you be asking that question? Sure, there's so many people here. Really, when you look to the word that's used here, it's the idea of being pushed together so tightly. If you like, it's the, the pictures of sardines in a tin. It's that close together. That's how tight a crowd there is here. But Jesus is very clear that there was someone who touched him and it was different because there had been power that had gone out from him, a power that was able to heal, and he was aware of it. And he now brings a focus upon this lady, the lady who had had so many problems, who came so quietly, came so privately, seeking just to get healed and to go away again, and Jesus now turns the spotlight upon her. And he asks this question because he wants to draw attention to her. And you see now this lady is sought to come privately, and I think this is probably something like what she experienced. <clears throat> All of the eyes of the crowd are on her. She now is the center focus of what is happening at this time. And it, we read of her trembling. She's a bit afraid, a bit worried. And I thought, what's that about? Is it the crowd? Is it the crowd that's causing her to tremble? I, I, I then thought, no, it's not the crowd. It's the fact she realizes that who it is that she's standing before she realizes that she's before not just Jesus, but she's before Jesus, the Son of God. She's realizing this is who it is that has healed her. This is the one that is standing before her. And so despite the fact that she came with the aim of being healed privately, Jesus now makes the whole thing public. He wants people to be aware of what it is that has happened, how that he has power to work in a way that no one else could. And so Jesus has restored her physically, and Jesus has also restored her spiritually. But remember about that problem of her being the outcast. That was a an issue that she would have had culturally in that day because of the problem of bleeding that she'd had. So many people, when they would have looked to her, they wouldn't have wanted anything to do or they do with her. They wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere near her. And so Jesus wants the crowd to be aware that he has healed her. He wants them to be aware that the problem, the issue is gone. He wants to make sure that she's also restored socially as well. Isn't that wonderful? The problem of the bleeding is gone. Spiritually, she now has a relationship with God and she's actually restored to the point where she's able to function in her society again as well. You know, in that crowd of people pressing in, remember the image of the sardine tin? There would have been many people who touched the Lord Jesus that day. Many people who brushed past him that day. So what was it that made the difference for this lady? Well, Jesus is very clear to her, clear with her about what the difference was. The difference here was the fact that she had faith. She came believing that Jesus could heal her, that Jesus could take away the problem that she has. Jesus says to her in verse 48, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. 
You see, Jesus could see what there was in that lady. He could see her heart. He could see the fact that she was there as this person who was seeking him. And he, as he sees her, he sees that faith. And that faith is rewarded by her restoration. You see, the wonderful thing we learn from this is that our God can save. And that save, saving comes by faith. And that faith is something that God brings and develops in our heart. He brings before us the Lord Jesus and opens our eyes that we can see the wonders of who Jesus is, that we can respond to him in faith. Well, we ask ourselves the question tonight, well, what's this story really been about? So what? What's the story of this lady so many years ago who came to meet the Lord Jesus? What is there for us to learn from that story tonight? Well, we want to go back to the beginning because it's a good place to start, isn't it? We go back to the beginning of the Bible. We read of God creating the world, God speaking, and the very world coming into being. And as God created that world, God put into that world people. And the reason God put people into that world was so that we could have a relationship with Him, so that we could have a friendship with Him. We read in the very early pages of Genesis uh, that lovely lovely story of how God was actually there in the middle of the garden, walking with Adam and Eve. Can you imagine what that would have been like? To have been there when everything was perfect. Everything was the way God had planned it to be. And you have these people walking, speaking with God in the middle of the day. That would have been a beautiful thing. But sadly, it didn't last too long because the Bible tells us that those people that God put into that Garden of Eden they disobeyed God. They did the very thing that God had told them not to do. He had told them they were not to take of the tree that was in that garden. They weren't to take the fruit of it. A simple command, and yet they disobeyed. The Bible tells us that by doing that, they brought sin into the world. And that sin broke the friendship, the relationship between us and God. And that's why we live in a world where these things are so prevalent. Death, sickness, pain, tragedy, sickness. We see all those things all because of sin, all because of the fall. This wasn't the way that God had intended it to be. This was brought about because of sin. This is why that so many in this world are finding themselves in helpless places, hopeless places. The amount of stories we've had of people in this last week, two weeks, taking their own lives, because there's a sense of helplessness. There's a sense of hopelessness. But it's to the helpless and to the hopeless that we can bring the message of the Lord Jesus. See, that's why the Lord Jesus left heaven. He left heaven, the place there with his Father, and he came down into the world that he had created. And the Lord Jesus came into this world with one place as a focus to go to. It was a place that was outside Jerusalem. It was part of a hillside outside Jerusalem. It was a place that was known locally as Calvary. And it was a hillside where those who were ruling on that day, the Romans, they took out those who had committed crimes and they put them to death on Calvary. And the Lord Jesus, the sinless Son of God, his focus was to go to that hill. His focus was to go to that hill and to die the death that we deserve for our sins. 
even though he was sinless, even though he had never sinned, he took our sin, and he died for that sin on the cross. The Bible tells us Jesus was made sin for us. He went under God's punishment for our sin. And because of that, he's made a way now that we can have a relationship again with God. He's made a way that we can have a friendship with God. He's made a way that we can have salvation. To use our word for this evening, he's made a way that there can be restoration with God because he's dealt with the problem of our sin. For you tonight, I want to share with you tonight that just as Jesus was accessible to that lady all that all those years ago, that Jesus is as accessible to you tonight. And just as he was available to that lady, I want you to be aware tonight that Jesus is available for you tonight. I want you to be aware as well tonight that Jesus is enough. He is all that you need. Why is he enough? Well, he's enough because he's powerful. He's the one who created the worlds. He's the one who has power over all things. Not only that, but he's also he's sinless. He's never sinned. We can't begin to understand what that's like. We know what it was, what it's like so often to sin in our mind, sin with our words, to sin by the things that we're doing. He has never sinned. Not only is he powerful, not only is he sinless, but he is the one who can save. And he can save because he died for our sin upon the cross. And that's why Jesus is the power to save tonight. That is why we can say that our Lord Jesus is the one who has the power to restore, to bring things back to where the way they were planned and anticipated in being. Maybe you're thinking tonight, you know, the situation I find myself in is helpless. Life to me is a bit hopeless. I realize that I need the Lord Jesus. I realize I need him as my savior. I want to experience the saving power of Jesus. I want to experience the restoration that only Jesus can bring. Well, let me share with you these simple words tonight. These are words that I often use and simply because they're so simple. And this, these tonight, if these were words from your heart, could bring you into a relationship with the living God. The Bible talks about repentance. And this is what it means. It means to be sorry. To be sorry and to turn away from our sin. That's what it means to repent. It would be wonderful tonight if you were to come to the Lord Jesus openly and honestly to him. Just pray to him and tell him what he knows already. Tell him that you're a sinner and that you're sorry for your sin. It would be wonderful tonight if you were to come to the Lord Jesus and thank him. Thank him for dying for you on the cross. He died the death that you deserve for your sin. He took the punishment for your sin so that you could be forgiven. It would be great tonight if you were to come to him and just say, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for dying for me. And the last word there is the Lord Jesus. To say to the Lord Jesus the word please. We say please when we want something, don't we? The Lord Jesus is offering you tonight forgiveness. He's offering you salvation. He's offering you restoration. Well, tonight that you would come to him and just ask him for it. 
We would ask him to come in and take away your sin, come in and save you, come in and restore you. I wonder what it is that perhaps is keeping you back from trusting the Lord Jesus. What is it that's holding you back? Is it like the lady in the, the passage that we read about tonight? Is it those that are around you? Is it the crowd? Is it your experiences in life that are holding you back? Is it social problems? Is it family problems? Is it some sort of difficulty that's holding you back? Well, can I encourage you tonight? Don't let those things hold you back. Be like this lady. And tonight, can I encourage you, will you reach out to the Lord Jesus? His desire is to save you. And this lady, she came to the Lord Jesus and she reached out in faith. And she was restored. Wouldn't it be wonderful tonight if you were to come to the Lord Jesus and just reach out to him for salvation? He will save you. He will forgive you. Those words are so simple. And yet if you were to mean them tonight, what a difference it would make. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Lord Jesus, will you please come in and take away my sin. I leave these things with you tonight.